You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, Be'ezrus Hashem, tonight we're going to be continuing with our series of Shirim on the inner world of anxiety. And before we get into the topic of tonight's Shir, there was something that I was struggling with over the past week, which was that on a certain level, perhaps there was too strong of an emphasis on the necessity of entering into that space of anxiety, of Da'agabalevish, and that on a certain level, there's a chashash that there's a romantization or an elevation of these difficult midos within a person, almost as if to say that a person is meant to sit and chew the maror for the maror's sake, which is chas v'shalom. It's the hepech of what I'm trying to say. It's the hepech of what our tzaddikim are trying to say. So I wanted to take a moment to clarify, to ensure the, the trajectory of the shirim is, is abundantly clear. I'm speaking to myself and anybody who's willing to listen. When Rabbi Nachman began to tell his 13th tale, the tale of the Sheva HaBatlarim, the tale of the seven beggars, so it was a time in Rabbi Nachman's life where clouds of darkness seemed to be ascending over his health and over his time in this world. And it was a time where Rabbi Nachman felt like we spoke about in the Shirim on this Sipor, that the Torah that he was giving over, that the tzaddik was giving over, was no longer hitting the mark, or perhaps there was more that needed to be done beyond the rational teachings. And so, I will begin to tell tales, tell tales of ancient days, from a time before time, in an attempt to reach back into the recesses of history prior to the beginning, to draw a novelty and renewal into every moment of history itself. And the Hakdama to the Maisa, Rabbi Nassim tells us that there was a conversation taking place about a box of snuff that Rabbi Nachman wanted. He wanted smelling snuff in order to engage in the mitzvah of Oinik Shabbos. And when Rabbi Nachman was brought that snuff box, he responded, Asaper lachem echayusmechim. I'm going to tell you how once upon a time they were once happy. And Rav Avram ben Rav Nachman Chazan, the Baal Habir Halikutim, Dor Haravi'i from Rabbi Nachman. The Bir Halikutim says that this is not exactly what Rabbi Nachman announced. Because in truth, what Rabbi Nachman announced was as follows. I'm going to tell you about how once upon a time they found joy from within despondency itself, from within difficulty itself. The ultimate purpose of addressing and trying to pay attention to the difficult emotions that exist within the heart of human beings, to the things that awaken us, 
to the murmuring discomfort that exists within the human condition, the purpose of paying attention to these things and studying them is not, God forbid, just to sit in them and to simmer in them and to spend time in the darkness and to worship exile, but rather the purpose is to take those difficult emotions, to allow these seats of intensity of the human condition itself to become a seat for joy. The only purpose of engaging with anxiety, with the difficult parts of ourselves on whatever level we experience it, is so that we can reveal that those two are the receptacles, are the merkava, are the vehicle to bring down a deeper level of joy within our lives. And so anxiety and paying attention to the discomfort at the heart of the individual or the mind of the individual or the surroundings of an individual and that discomfort and that sense of being in the wrong place at the wrong time, all of that is simply so that we can renew our desire to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That these kalim, may kalim shonim, these vessels amongst many types of vessels, these constrictions, these measurements in our lives, those pockets of energy that seem to block out and blot out the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's clarity, they are there to reveal the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence in an even deeper and more intensified way. As Rabbi Nachman tells us in the 23rd teaching in the second volume of Lakuta Maharan, the Iker Nakuda of Simcha can only under, be understood by way of a mushal. And the mushal is as follows. There's a Simcha dance. There's people dancing with joy, with abandonment, with a willingness to suspend their judgment of the world for but a moment and to dance with their feet not touching the ground and to dance and to lose themselves in the intoxicating ecstasy of what it means to elevate the legs ever so slightly above the ground, to live in Shemayim for but a moment. But as all of us know, anytime there's a circle dance, anytime there's joy and excitement and youthfulness, there's also the elements on the side that refuse to enter into the dance. And each person that stands on the side has their own cheshbonos, not matim to me, it's below me, it's above me, I'm not there right now, I'm shamed, I'm embarrassed, whatever the machshavos rabos are, there are those who stand outside of the circle. And Ibn Nachman says, the ikr nature of joy, of simcha, of yishav adas, of menucha in this world, is not that the circle of joy should continue dancing without paying any attention to the brokenness and the fear and the anxiety that rests outside of the circle, at the periphery. But rather, the Iker Nakuda of joy is for the inner circle, the center of joy, to make room for the periphery, to draw the periphery into the center, to reveal how those who are unwilling to enter into the space of joy become the very vehicles that enlarge and embolden the nature of joy. And it's not enough to just dance besimcha, but we have to drag our brokenness into the circle of simcha so that after a while, that brokenness reveals itself to be what it truly was from the beginning, which were vessels and vehicles to illuminate the depth of simcha. I will teach you how once upon a time they were joyous specifically out of despondency, specifically out of the human condition. Now, this is clear from the Mikubalim as well. This is clear from the Emekamelech, from the Kilas Yaakov, from the Leshem Shobeva that paradoxically speaking, when we talk about the origin of Simcha, that place of joy within the spheros, within the celestial origins of that human experience, 
one would assume that it would be associated with the right side of expressivity, of openness, of flowing love, of chesed and chachma. But when one looks at the svarim closely, with eyes of seeing, we encounter the very opposite, that the birthplace of Simcha seems to be on the left side. The birthplace of Simcha seems to emerge out of the intense aspects of ourselves, not that flowing natural expressivity without any blockage, but rather the menios and the distractions and the separations and the partitions that we encounter within our lives. That is the very birthplace of Simcha. Like we said about Yitzchak Avinu, that Yitzchak Avinu is going to be our father at the end of days. Because Yitzchak is, on the one hand, the birthplace of severity, constriction and measurement, the one who announces to the world that there's judgment in the world, there's significant heaviness in the world, there's an awareness of the law, that meaningless law that contains all of us within it, as we spoke about in our shir on Kafka and hope. But nevertheless, it's specifically from within that place of constriction, within the Meitzarim themselves, within the Yogoin Va'anacha, within the size and the brokenness of what it means to be a human being, it's specifically there that V'tishchak Macharon. So everything that we're discussing about anxiety, is not, God forbid, to keep us stuck in anxiety, but to allow us to transform our natural states of anxiety to become receptacles for a deeper level of amuna and bitachon. And mistama, this is going to be a hakdama that we're going to have to give in every shir. What we're going to be talking about tonight is the origin of subjectivity, what it means to be a human being. And the place that we're going to learn about the birthplace of subjectivity, what it means to be a human being who is conscious enough to pay attention to that which is taking place outside of ourselves and to allow our reflection to draw the outside into the inside of ourselves and to contemplate it and to allow that information to process into emotions and for those emotions to elicit a certain affect or way of looking at the world. How did this come to be? How did subjectivity, how did our own selfhood, the way we encounter the world, each person according to their own level, how does it become what it is? Where is it born? Because if we can understand the origin of subjectivity, if we can understand the origin of the self, we can also understand the very nature and fabric of what the self is made out of. So the place that we're going to return back to is the very beginning, is the emergence of human beings within the world, is the story of Adam Arishon and Chava. And over the next few shirim, we're going to be looking at different elements of the psukim, which demand a lot more time that we're going to give them to try and understand what it means to be a human being, to try and understand one face of the infinite amount of faces that the Torah reveals to us about what it means to be human in a world of difficulty and intensity. Now, like we hinted to last week, there's a certain element of always already being stuck within a state of anxiety. That the emergence of human consciousness, the birthplace of the mind and its reflective capacity emerges out of that encounter with the Eitz Hadas Tovara. 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu places Adam Arishon in Gan Eden. And he warns him. He says, you can partake of everything in this world. You can partake of every element of existence. But stay away from the Eitz Adas Toivira. Stay away from the birthplace of subjectivity. Stay away from that infinite and undying need to reflect on yourself, to judge yourself, to take an accounting of yourself at every moment. Now, it's very important, almost essential for us to stress that unlike other forms of interpretation that see the fall or the brokenness of being human as a result of the chait of the eight sadas, as if everything was perfect prior to this original transgression, and only after partaking of the eight sadas do human beings fall into what we know of as the human condition. The Torah HaKadosha does not subscribe, God forbid, to such a perspective. Because as we've spoken about so often throughout all of our shirim, in particular the shirim on the Leshem Shabbat Bachaloyma, is that it is axiomatic that the human being is always already imperfect, that we are always already lacking something. Now that lack does not emerge out of a deficiency or a failure of our efforts, but rather that chisaron, that lack is the very constitutive element of what it means to be a human being. Because the most fundamental law that is built into the laws of spirituality is that that my holiness and my infinitude, says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is always beyond your capacity to grasp. And no matter how high or elevated a person climbs along the rungs of the ladder of spirituality, when we arrive at what we feel is the apex at the top, at the zenith of our experience, it is immediately revealed to us that we are simply at the beginning of the next level. Because to claim that a human being can become something on par with God is to claim that the human being is on the same level as God, God forbid. The essential nature of our understanding is that we are always already lagging behind. And the desire and the yearning that is born out of that very natural and essential gap that persists no matter how high we climb is the very birthplace of Bechira and what it means to be a human being. So even before the Chet of Adam Arishon, Adam was not perfect. Perfection is a myth. Perfection is not a real idea within Yiddishkeit. Even Shlemus itself is not Shalim. It's simply full in relative position to that which is below it. But in relative position to that which is above it, it's considered lacking. And the raya that we have for this is that when Adam Arishon was placed in Gan Eden, even before the Achila from the Eitz Adas, he was enjoined la'avda ulashamra, to work and to guard. Now the sense of guarding something, the sense of being aware of something, of needing to protect against something, already implies that human consciousness at its origin is aware of a certain invisible threat. That one who is not aware of a threat has no need to guard anything. So the fact that even before the fall, there was a requirement to guard and to be on guard 
implies that the very natural state of Adamarishon was to be aware that there was something outside of me that is somewhat threatening. There is something that I need to protect myself against. Again, the very symptom of what we're going to define as the experience of anxiety in our lives. Now, in order to understand where this emerges from, even prior to the Chet of the Yitzhadas, we have to look at what the creation of the world was. Now, the Maharal, Miprag, the grandfather of the Mikubalim, the grandchild of the Mikubalim, the chain that links both worlds. The Maharal tells us over and over again that Ha'adam Hubal Shinoi, that to be human means to be susceptible to change. That as human beings, we are the opposite of permeance. We are transient. We are susceptible to shifts and changes in our experiences, as well as our awareness. And the prerequisites for change are the two fundamental categories of makum and zman, place and time. That the space-time continuum, so to speak, as the very ground necessary for the birthplace of human subjectivity, always already throws us into limitation. Because space, as we're going to discuss in two weeks from now with regards to Kayan and his placelessness, already implies limitation and corners. To speak of space is to speak of the recognition that there is something outside of my view that I cannot necessarily see. The expanses, expanses, merchavim, merchavim, that concept of placelessness, of pure expansivity that Rav Cook spoke about so often, is the rectification of the anxiety that emerges out of spatial awareness. If I am a human being, I take up space. And if I take up space, that means that there is something happening in a space that I cannot perceive. And as we're going to see, the very nature of anxiety is the recognition that there is something that I don't know. There is something that can take place. Something beyond me that I am simply not aware of, and it becomes threatening to me. But the element that we're going to be discussing tonight more than space is the element of time. We spoke about this in the Shiram on addiction, but Zman is a symptom of the Shvira. Time is human construct. Time is something that we encounter as having been thrown into. As the Vilnagon and the Mikuwalim point out, time is a created entity. It is not representative of the essential makeup of existence, but rather it is a form or a garment that we place on existence to make it more understandable. But the psychology of time implies a sense of always being called. Zman or time is the same language as zimun, as an appointment, as needing to be somewhere. The sense of I'm late, I'm late for a very important date, always running to something that we seem to be at the precipice of missing. The sense of urgency that emerges within the human being that eventually gives birth to the sense of anxiety. That sense of something needs to be done right now, but I don't know what needs to be done. And therefore that urgency persists. And I am stuck with the sense that something needs to be done without knowing what needs to be done. Now this world of Zman, as it emerges into existence, 
carries with it the sense of change and lack. As we see in the Psukim describing the creation of the world, it's the fourth day when HaKadosh Baruch Hu places the luminaries within the sky, the sun and the moon, that place of that originary cataclysmic battle between fullness and lack, between self-sufficiency and deficiency, between the sun and the moon. It's that place, the Ma'oros, that we're told by Rashi, that Ma'oros is written chaser. The word itself is deficient. It's missing its vav. Now, without going into the interpretations of what the missing vav represents, the very nature of the fact that the word that represents the birthplace of time, the fact that that word is lacking, teaches us that the emergence of time is the very lack itself. Because now we're aware of that which happened before and that which happens after, which is the birthplace of anxiety, of anticipation of not knowing what rests beyond the curtain, what rests beyond the horizon of our minds. These things existed prior to the chait of Adam Harishon. Adam Harishon experiences terdema, he experiences unconsciousness. He experiences the withdrawal of memory. He experiences all of those things of not knowing, of bewilderment. But it's with the very chait of Adam Arishon, with the partaking of that eitz adas tovara, where subjectivity truly takes root. And all of those frightening constructs of time and space, which prior to the chait of Adam Arishon, prior to the birth of subjectivity, were just actual things not to be judged, but rather to be lived with the birth of subjectivity as it takes place through the eating of that fruit of knowledge. These things enter into us internally, as the Nefesh Chaim points out, as Rav Dessler points out, and they begin to haunt us. And time moves from being a general framework of what it means to be within existence, and it becomes the very birthplace of what it means to experience life as a human being. Now, prior to the chait of the eight sadas, we're told that Adam and Chava were undressed. They were bare. Bareness represents vulnerability, an openness and an awareness of that which is around us without being afraid of it, without the drive to protect ourselves without that sense that perhaps there's something I need to be doing right now to protect myself a little bit more. And even if I've already taken the steps to protect myself, perhaps I have to do more and more. That's the world of levushim. That's the world of armor and the garments that we cover ourselves with, the masks and the facades that we utilize to express ourselves to the world in the very way that we want to be expressed, but not bearing ourselves unconditionally. Prior to the birth of subjectivity as it took root through the eights of Das Tevera, Adam and Chava were arum veloyit boshashu. They were naked, they were unclothed, they were vulnerable, they were exposed in their selfhood, but they weren't embarrassed, there was no shame. There was no fear of being seen, there was no fear of being found out, there was no drive to protect the self, there was no undying sense that I need to fix something right now. Veloyus Boshishu, and they weren't embarrassed, they weren't afraid. The Nitziv on this Pasuk says something remarkable. 
the word yisboishishu implies shame. But there's another pasuk that describes the nature of boishesh, of busha. And that has to do with Moshe Rabbeinu. The Moshe boshesh lavo, and Moshe tarried in his arrival. And the Nitziv says that boishesh over here means awareness of time. Awareness of the fact that things are transient. Awareness of the fact that there is not enough time for me to accomplish everything that needs to be accomplished. That there is not enough hours in the day for me to fix everything that needs to be fixed. That there is something overwhelming. That there is more than what I am capable of completing. That sense of boshesh, that sense of being late, that sense of procrastination, of time awareness, didn't exist prior to the Achila of the Eitzadas. But with the Achila of the Eitzadas, enters in awareness of boshesh Moshe Lavo, a tarrying, an afterwardness, a sense that I am late, I am late for a very important date. There is something that has not been completed. There is something that stands too open and too unfinished. And it fills me with a sense of trepidation and anticipation over the fact that I might not be able to accomplish it. Now, the very nature of anxiety is nameless. What it is that stands opened and unfinished, I have no idea it can be anything. Every statement that a person hears becomes a possible suspect. But the birthplace of anxiety is this awareness of time, which always already throws us into a sense of, I'm late for something. And this fear of being late, this fear of missing out, this fear of not having enough time or enough strength to accomplish, on a certain level, it goes hand in hand with the birthplace of subjectivity. The Said Yesharim of Ishbitz, Rav Gershon Henech of Ishbitz, tells us something remarkable. He says as follows, In the beginning of our awareness, it's nighttime. Which is a time of darkness and the intensification of intensity, of things that are threatening, of things that are unaccomplished. Like the Pasuk in Shir Hashirim says, I'm anxious at night. When a person is overcome by fear, by anxiety, because nighttime is the secret of severity, is the secret of the fear of Yitzchak. Like the Pasuk in Eov says, The night tells us to get up and be afraid and act. And the very beginning is nighttime. The origin of the self is rooted in night. Because the creation of the world needs to be this way. So that the light that emerges afterwards is born out of the very experience of darkness. So that a person can overcome all manners of darkness and night and anticipatory fear and reveal light within the darkness itself. And the choyshech is not simply a handmaid into the light. It's not simply a cause which leads to an effect, but rather it is the very site where the light transforms the darkness and reveals itself to be greater. 
when a person begins to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when a person begins to be a subject, to be aware of themselves, to be aware of what their emotions are telling them, in the beginning, we're stuck in darkness without the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu shining itself on us. And this, says the Sayyid Yisharim, is the parish of the Mishnah in Brachos, the first Mishnah in Tarish Balpeh. Tarish Balpeh, which is representative of human subjectivity, of what happens after clarity dies away. What happens after Bereshas Bar Elohim falls away? Tarish Balpeh, the human ability to find light within darkness. The nation that walked in darkness beheld the deep light. Chazal tell us, Bavli. This is the Gemara, Bavli Melashan Bilbul, the ability to find light within Bilbul itself, within confusion and anxiety. The Sayyid Sharm says, the first Mishnah tells us, It's a question of time. From when do I read Kriyat Shema at night? The question of time is the first question of the Mishnah. And the Sayyid Sharm says as follows, From when? Amasai is also the language of Ema Vipachad, fear and anxiety, which means that Kemo es Emasi eshalech lefanecha, my fear I shall place before you. So the first Mishnah in Torah Shabbat tells us, as a direct result of the fear and the anxiety that is born out of the awareness of time, out of the awareness of what it means to be a human being. That is the very nature that propels me to reach out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and scream out, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. That without that darkness, without that fear, without the anxiety that is born with time, without that without that awareness of being late, of tarrying, of being late, late for a very important date, of always being after what we needed to be, that is the very nature of what it means to be a human being. And not only is it the nature of what it means to be a human being, it's the very thing that propels us towards uncovering the depths of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in our lives. What I'm going to read right now are words from the Ramchal in Adir Bamarom, one of the most influential and holy svarim that I've had the schluss to encounter in my life. And the Ramchal describes in his parish on the Ijaraba on page 416 how the birthhood of subjectivity is always already tied up with a sense of worry, with a sense of daiga. The Ramchal says, what does it mean What does it mean that after partaking of the eight sadas, after becoming aware of subjectivity, which as Kohelas tells us is Yosef Das, Yosef Machuv, the more awareness we have, the more pain we're going to experience because subjectivity and suffering very often go hand in hand. That the asurim that we experience, each person according to their own level, the fear that we experience is not a symptom, but rather it is part of the very fabric of what it means to be a human being. In the beginning, says the Ramchal, before their eyes opened, we lived with our eyes closed, with absolute trust, with a natural organic way of being that whatever took place was what, meant, was what was meant to take place, with no sense that I needed to be on the lookout for anything, with no sense that I needed to protect myself from something. 
In that time, there was very little effort that was necessary, says the Ramchal. We were natural. We experienced life as life was meant to be lived. But when Adam and Chava decided to eat from the Eight Sadas, they lost that Soid Hamanucha, they lost that secret of comfort. And they descended into the secret of effort. Because now, now things will not be revealed as they were meant to be, but rather we would live with our eyes open, always looking out for the threat that stands at the ready to assault us in our hearts, in our minds, in our emotional lives, always on the lookout, always guarding against something. And the Ramchal continues and he says, Shesof davar, the end result of partaking of this fruit of subjectivity, is that our minds will always be perpetually in movement, ruminating thoughts that circle around themselves, trying to protect ourselves from what we don't have any control over, trying to be the owners over that which is not ours, trying to be in charge over that which is not within our hands. Everything is in perpetual movement. Our thoughts are running and returning every second. To think about and to worry about things. So here the Ramchal says explicitly that the very symptom of what it means to be thinking is to worry. And we're worrying that negativity should not overtake us that we should not be stuck and entrenched within difficulty. But the end result is that human beings are now always worrying. They need to protect themselves. There's something that we're afraid of. What are we afraid of? We have no idea. It's infinite. It's nameless. It's anticipatory. But the very nature of human subjectivity from this point forward, says the Ramchal, is lihiyos tamid bedaiga. And this is the very birthplace of of what it means to be in this world. That we're going to need to toil for sustenance. And this is the Indian that we're going to discuss, which is the Indian of Now the Ramchal says that this is obviously an important thing. And this is necessary because subjectivity is the birthplace of Bechira a free choice as we're going to see. But nevertheless, the pathway towards free choice is a painful one. It's the pathway of daga, of worry. Now, I don't typically read from sources that are not mushrash bikadusha. These are books that I've spent a lot of time thinking about and contemplating. But this makor, which is also mushrash bikadusha, is significant enough that I want to bring it into the shir. The Manda Amr, the person we're going to be reading from right now is Edmund Yabez. Edmund Yabez was a Yid, a Yid who was more aware of his Jewishness than many, many thinkers that preceded him or followed after him. His whole encounter with writing, the wound of writing, was a question of tzimtzum, what it means to be displaced what it means to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, exiled from where one is meant to be. Yabez is a secular Gemara. 
He allows infinite invisible voices to speak to each other across fabrics of time and space, creating an infinite conversation. And the poem that I want to look at right now that Yabez wrote is Adam or the birth of anxiety, because I think it sheds a lot of light on what we're trying to describe here as the birthplace of anxiety being the awareness of lack, which gives birth to a sense of worry and anticipatory fear over what happens next in our lives. Because while we've said that anxiety is anticipatory, that anxiety is a question of what happens next, where does the sense of what happens next come from? And what Yabez points out, which I believe to be a healthy psychological insight, is that the fact that Adam Arishon was without past, the fact that Adam Arishon had no past to look back on in order to find or understand what it meant to be human in the world is what gives birth to anxiety over the future. Because through our habituation and through our awareness of what needs to be done, we become settled in our behavior. We trust. We assume that the things that we need to do will be worthy enough to take care of what needs to be done. But within our anticipation of what happens in the future, there is always a kernel of unknowing, of a limitation, of that questioning voice, that daiga belivish that says, perhaps we don't know what's going to happen, which is the very thing that gives birth to anxiety. And Yabez says this is a result of Adam HaRishon and Chava being born without a past being born without history to learn from. And Yabez says as follows, thus, along with lack, anxiety was born. A fallen apple from the same branch that Eve plucked hers continues to spoil at the foot of the felled tree, a rotten fruit, its name anxiety. Image of emptiness before emptiness, an origin that stands beyond the mind's capacity to comprehend it. Biting into the apple, did Eve know that she was devouring her soul? What if the book were only infinite memory of a word lacking? Thus, absence speaks to absence. What if all of our attempts, what if all of our attempts to understand and to grasp were simply an awareness that we don't ultimately know what was and therefore we can't know what will be? My past pleads for me, he said, but my future remains evasive about the assortment in its basket. Again, I know that the future will be there, but what it will be, I have no idea. And that's because I don't have a past. Imagine a day without a day behind it, a night without a previous night. Imagine capital N nothing and something in the middle of capital N nothing. What if you were told that this tiny something was you and God created Adam? He created him a man depriving him of memory, man without childhood, without past, without tears, without laughter or smiles, man come out of capital and nothing, unable to even claim his portion in this nothing. The birthplace of anxiety the birthplace of subjectivity is unknowing, is not knowing what we need to do, is not knowing what the next step is because we don't have clarity to reach back on. But as we're going to see,
This is the very birthplace of human creativity. By Yitzer HaAdam, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the Adam like a Yoitzer, like an artisan. Rav Simcha Bunim says that the Demus and the Tselem, Demus is imagination, our capacity to create reality for ourselves, to choose to uncover godliness in this world. That is what emerges out of anxiety, the birthplace of Bechira, the birthplace of free choice. And Rashi tells us something incredible, that after Adam and Chava sinned, they were aware that they were naked. They were aware that they were vulnerable. And they clothed themselves with loincloths made out of the leaves. Rashi says these leaves were made out of the very tree on which they sinned. Because like we learned from the Ramban, that the secret of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's healing is to transform the broken sickness itself into the cure. To sweeten the bitter through the bitter. So if the result of the sin of that transgression is the birthplace of subjective anxiety, then the very birth of subjective anxiety is going to be our way forward. And Be'ezra Hashem, what we're going to discuss next week is a totsa'a of this eating, this birthplace of subjectivity. And it's going to be death awareness, the awareness that we are transient and the nature of death awareness as the origin of anxiety. Be'ezra Hashem. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.